0: The Y Curve with Phil Dobby and Roger Hearing.
1: More than half the world is voting this year. More than 50 nations will decide who rules them through the ballot box. But democracy is under threat. Disillusion with politicians and their failure to tackle the big problems is spreading. Can a government work if it's led by people who only seek
0: to win the next election? Autocracies like China claim their system works better. And even the beacons of democracy like the United States are challenged by those who refuse to play by the rules. Are we falling out of love with a system that promises us all a say but fails to deliver what we want? Is democracy failing?
2: The why? Curve.
0: I mean it is a big question isn't it? I mean it's I mean it's the, it's the only system we've got. Uh, well, it's the only system of. we've got at the
1: moment. Yeah. Uh, but it could change. I mean the, the problem really with the whole thing is that you've got disillusion People thinking that actually, most, you know, in, in Britain, we feel a lot of the system is broken in various ways. Mm. In the US, they're even fighting whether to keep people on the ballot or not, a certain Mr. Trump. Yeah. Uh, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. People are maneuvering it that's our own government is perhaps really just manoeuvring to try and win the next election rather than thinking further ahead in what they might actually do to help the country. So then is
0: beginning we then got to ask the question is it the politicians we're getting is it, is it why are politicians there like Rishi Sunak you get the impression really he's there because it looks good on his CV. I mean has he really got the interest well, of the country at heart? Well
1: we don't know we can't see inside his soul I suppose. Mm. And I think but we get the politicians that you get as a result of the system you've got fundamentally yeah. people say oh well the politicians in the the Churchills, the the rest were were of a much bigger stature and more uh, long-sighted. But I'm not sure that's true.
0: And for whatever reason now, we seem to think people who bend the rules are good. So Donald Trump mm. is trying to beat the system. He's like saying, well, the system is wrong. Vote for me and I will use the system against itself, almost. It's but almost he's, also,
1: a- he's <laughs> also moving towards pretty much openly talking about a non-democratic system. I and mean, he said, mm. you know, ask, will he be a dictator? I'll be a dictator for one day, he said. Well... God knows what he means, but but it, it's still a worrying thing. And the fact is, his supporters staged something in, entirely hmm. undemocratic um, uh, in 2020. So what are we what are we going towards? And meanwhile, places like Russia and China, yeah and say, well, we don't need to think in these short-term ideas. We can, you know, plan five-year plans in China. Um, Russia, theoretically, is still a democracy, but no one's in any great illusion about
0: that. No. Yeah, I mean, you're you're willing to challenge, obviously, Mm. so long as you're prepared to go to prison for it. So what was that Peter Cook movie? I'm trying to remember the one where he becomes... A dictator. He basically allows people to vote. You mm-hmm. must have seen this movie. He allows everybody to vote. It's a classic movie. I would just wish I, I should have done some research. And actually, wait it's always the name. a plus. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he basically allows people to vote on everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a it's a, too much of a democracy in a way. People get so, so there's this great scene where there's this couple who are sort of like uh, staying up late mm-hmm. at night because everyone's having masses of paperwork delivered to their home. And there's this couple in a uh, two up yeah. two down. Uh, saying, you know, and the woman's there saying you know, I think I did well to go hard on China. Of course you were. You were right, darling. So everyone was making all these big decisions, and in yeah. the end, they all just got jack of it. And in the end, so he says there will be one last vote, and that vote will be that there will never be another, another election. Ooh. And so he's positioned himself into a democracy. And this into from, a dictatorship. This into, into, into a dictatorship, I should say. And this came from a man who sort of came from an advertising background. Yeah. So he sort of knew how to play people. Well, it's a but, passing movie.
1: But that is definitely the way it looks like things are tended, because even in democracies... There's this trend towards what they call illiberal democracy. So mm. places like Hungary, for example, where it is a democracy, but it kind of isn't. Yeah. And you, you get to a point where uh, really the nature of what makes a democracy is tending to ebb away. And it seems that many people quite like it. There was a terrifying poll, I think it was, in the UK, suggesting that you know, some, that, that a very large number of people would prefer to have a strong leader than a healthy democracy. Mm. Uh, I mean, you can see why, in the sense, if you say, "Well, a strong leader could do things, and these these people can't,"
0: yeah, but. What if you get someone you don't like, really like? And yeah, you can't change or, it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've got one of yeah, those well, we in, have. We in got, the UK at the moment. You yeah, 't well, we can not, get rid of him it, in theory. Yeah, we've just got to wait a while. Yeah. I think also, you know, there's an issue, and we'll get on to our guest in just a second, but, I mean, something else which is worth exploring. How much of, you know, what we rely on day-to-day, are we getting democracy confused with sort of day-to-day operations? So there's an argument mm-hmm. that could say, well, if we could just chalk out the right amount of money for the NHS mm-hmm. and for other other essential services... Do they need to be political? You well, know, if, 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 the, if, the, if, the, if there's a general acceptance that mm. we want a National Health Service, how much does it cost to run? Let's just wave it off to one side, make sure that there's the money available to provide that. Uh, and, and similarly for other areas of government, it's when you start to get...
1: Well, you decide how much. I mean, how much is a reasonable amount. That's but the...
0: it's a long-term
1: decision. It's not a year-to-year decision. But it's so also that... a decision about how much it actually provides. we get into mm. the NHS now, but the point is, you know, what should the NHS be providing what shouldn't it be providing?
0: But we're getting politicians making short-term decisions on things which are long-term solutions. That's,
1: that's the fundamental, and that's mm. why the whole idea of this, you know, we're a democracy once every five years, yeah. uh, so it used to work, but now if people are simply thinking about the opinion polls... It kind of doesn't. Let's let's mm. dig into this anyway, and the problems with democracy and where it's going. With Natasha Lindstedt, who's a professor of politics at the University of Essex, and she joins us now.
0: So, Natasha, I mean, if you, the Chinese obviously think they've got a better system and that democracy is riddled with all sorts of flaws, one of which, of course, you know, we've just been talking about, is the fact that it's very short term in its thinking. So, I mean, have they got a point? Actually, that that is the biggest problem, isn't it? We 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 lurch from election to election, whereas you know, if it was a big. A benevolent dictator maybe would make more headway,
2: right? I mean, that's a really good question about whether or not democracy can can deliver. Particularly when there's all these elections, and in some cases, like you know, in the U.S., you have elections for the House of Representatives every two years. People are constantly campaigning. It's difficult to to build any kind of long term plan. But honestly, countries like China are, are really more the the outliers that are authoritarian and actually benevolent dictatorships in the sense that they're at least trying to to pursue some kind of development for their their people. And it comes with of course huge costs in the in the case of China. You have more executions there than anywhere in the world. And if we were actually just to look at on average how dictatorships perform, they perform much worse economically than than democracies do. They they perform worse on almost every different type of indicator that we might measure.
1: Would well, be- you say that, but if you look at China, I mean, that is the mm. second largest economy in the world, projected at some point to become the largest, potentially, although there's some question mark about that now. I mean, it's coming from nowhere, is I
0: mean, masses of people moved into the middle class from poverty. No, yeah.
2: um, true. But- China moved 400, 500, maybe even 600 million people out of poverty. China's Some of China's accomplishments have been a- astounding, but... For for every country like like China or like Singapore, you you have countries like Chad or Nicaragua or Venezuela that are actually plunging their their uh, citizens in much deeper into poverty. Uh, and you you can even compare some authoritarian regimes that where they're not doing that badly or that the people living in them uh, have access to healthcare and have high levels of development, but they actually underperform. Compared to democracies of similar per capita income levels uh, on other indicators like health indicators, like maternal death rate and infant mortality rate, child mortality rate. So I think you do have authoritarian regimes that perform well, but you you have a lot more that don't. But if we're
1: looking across the whole world at the moment, this is an extraordinary year because we've got uh, more than half the world's population voting, 50 countries, 4 billion people, I think, actually going to the polls theoretically. Um, but, but But democracy does look to be... In, in chat challenge, not least because many of the people who are voting are voting in countries where there's no real democracy or the outcome is very clear as to what the the outcome will be in the vote or or they're illiberal democracies in which the democratic values aren't really um, adhered to. So it's a, it's a bit of a distortion. Do you think democracy
2: is in, in trouble at the moment? Oh, it's in huge trouble. In fact, um, scholars of democracy have been commenting on this for oh, probably uh, 10 years now, that it's been facing a huge democratic slump. In fact, if you look at the varieties of democracy index that looks at all the countries in the world historically, they're saying that we live uh, for the first time at levels of democracy around the level of 1986, that 72% of the world's population is living in authoritarian regimes, and there's more authoritarian regimes in the world than democracies. Uh, So we haven't had this in... You know, decades, uh, we, we see that many countries that were even staunchly Democratic are, are backsliding um, into more authoritarian styles of government and people are embracing it. It's not just that the leaders are uh, or would be autocrats are pushing us in this direction that there are there's an appetite for this um, in, in, in the public. Uh, so it's definitely a period of democratic decline. So the system
0: has failed somewhere along the line. Then, if that, if that, if people are asking for it, as as though they've, you know, well, we've tried capitalism, we've tried a market economy, it's not working for us.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's complicated the answer here because you have some countries that are newer democracies and their institutions haven't been built up yet, and they haven't had a chance to to really deliver on things, and, and people have been nostalgic for authoritarian systems because they they think this would bring them more security, more stability, uh, job security, and so forth. Um, so you you have these newer democracies that are really struggling, but you have the, you know, since the global economic crisis happened, uh, and democracies in particular really failed to listen to their, their public, their citizens, uh, this has led to a lot of angst and people have sought non-democratic alternatives in many cases.
1: So, so what is it that went wrong in that? You mentioned that, you know, in the, in the economic crisis, they didn't listen, yet they were democracies. They are supposed to be accountable. Is there something, some problem in the mechanism of democracy at, at heart that that is what, what is causing the dissolution?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, parties have just decayed. They, they haven't been representing people that well. Uh, And we've seen a rise of of personalism, of people, uh, I guess, seeking out messianic types of figures that are going to solve all their problems. And and we've also seen just a failure to educate democracies, like democratic populations, about what democracy is. It's not about necessarily um, some sort of magic formula that you're going to get economic growth and everybody's going to be happy. It's just the idea that the people should be more involved in this in in decision making, and that we should build up institutions that aren't always going to come up with a quick fix, but that it's going to require more long term investment. So some of these moves of these countries moving towards more autocratic forms of government, they they're really moving towards more of these populist style autocratic forms of government that are promising quick fixes um, that that haven't really delivered on this either. Uh, so I, I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what democracy is supposed to do and deliver. Well,
1: isn't populism actually what democracy is? You know, it, 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 the the clue is in the word. If if people are popular, they will be elected and supported. If they're not popular, they won't. That is kind of what democracy is.
2: I think some early definitions of populism have talked about this, that this idea it's like a grassroots movement that are are, you know, bottom up where people can come together and actually pressure for, um whatever they're they're wanting and and not having to to only have the decisions being made by elites but populism is sort of transformed morphed mutated into something different and so the way we often refer to authoritarian populism is this idea that someone's going to come in and criticize elites and experts and really erode at institutions and be directly responsible for making these quick decisions that are not really about what long-term development needs, but about like how can I, you know, provide some kind of quick fix. Uh and all the more they're increasing their own personal power at, at the expense of democratic and, institutions. And maybe
0: their own personal wealth as well. Isn't that a big part of the difference? I mean, are, are we finding that in some parts of the world, in many parts of the world, perhaps, we've got people who become dictators because they think that, they, I mean, perhaps with support from the public, because they, they they talk about a quick fix. But really what they're talking about is how can we benefit for ourselves from this rather than having the interest of the
2: the country at heart? Yeah, that's exactly right, that you, you have leaders, because, as they erode at democratic institutions that are really important for checking their own power and keeping them in check or to highlight you know scandals or um, acts of corruption, they're able to enrich themselves I mean, tremendously in some cases, and they embezzle funds or siphon money directly from the state uh, and are able to do so because there's they're just not the... Um, the, the ways of keeping them accountable. I mean, this is more likely to happen in weak democracies, but we see, look at what happened in the case of Trump in in, in the U.S. Well, I, mean, I was American going to come self. to
1: that because it did sound as we were talking there. I know. And, well, and, and, I know. and I assume, I know. Natasha, is that your part of the world originally?
2: Yeah I'm I'm from California uh, I've grown up in the US and I've, you know been living in the UK for the last 15 years.
1: What do you I mean the current problem with the US uh, I mean obviously as an outsider seems to be the US system seems to be that you have someone who does not play by the rules that we've thought were there, mm. um, but somehow still succeeds. Now, does that suggest that the the system of checks and balances, the Constitution, everything else in the U.S., is that the problem? The actual formal mechanisms of the democracy just aren't working.
2: So they're working a little bit. It's it's not it, it's kind of complicated because on some levels I see what's going on in the U.S. and it just feels like we're about to fall to a dictatorship in, in 2024. It's very scary. Some of the things that trump is promising that he'll be dictator for at least a day that he's going to weaponize the justice system go after his enemies and so forth uh but but there is there are institutions we have free speech we are trying to Uh, protect democracy, there are a lot of people trying to protect democracy, at least in in, in the U.S. case. But one of the things that's probably hard maybe for someone from the outside to understand, sometimes even for me to understand, is Trump has built a personality cult. I mean, like a personality cult like you would see in a dictatorship. There's no other way to describe it, that there is at least 30 percent of the public that is absolutely transfixed by everything he says, believes whatever he says, no matter how ridiculous or outrageous the lies are. Uh, and believes that you need some sort of autocratic form of government in order to ensure that Trump, who is their messiah, their their savior, remains in power. We've never really seen something quite like this before.
0: No, no and part of his argument is, well, I've got to cheat the system to make the system work, is not it? Isn't it? And and we saw a bit of that with Boris Johnson as well, who really was, you know, uh, uh, Donald Trump in short pants. I mean, exactly the same situation. It was the cult of personality, and that's you know it, that has to be a. A big risk for democracy, mustn't it, in this internet age where we are easily hoodwinked by personality over substance?
2: Yes, I mean, I think you're right that some of the biggest threats to to democracy is the rise of personalism in general. And we see that this is a trend um, that for those that study comparative politics, that that's really alarming because it's basically the, ob- the the opposite of, you know, the rule of law of institutions of things that we need to, to ensure that there isn't corruption and favoritism. So we have huge rise of, of, of personalism everywhere. And, and, and just to touch on something else you mentioned, the rise of misinformation. We we didn't have this to this extent. You, you had one sort of source for the news that there, there were, uh, almost like guardians ensuring that editing and uh that information that was out there was more truthful or at least we could say was more truthful comparatively speaking and we have now an explosion of of fake news or false news or misleading information that people get Uh, and i think dictatorships in particular and would-be autocrats have really understood the power of propaganda and, and how you can uh shape people's minds and hearts so easily you don't even have to tell the truth. You don't even have to sound like you're telling the truth. I mean, countries uh, like Russia, like China are excellent at doing this, but we see would-be autocrats like in the case of the US under Trump. He, he's been also an expert at, at utilizing propaganda to transfix his, his supporters.
1: So, so is there a sense that you could say that, that in the internet tech is enabling or perhaps even encouraging this move away from democracy for those reasons. You're saying that actually the problem, the reason things have changed, the reason democracy is at threat is simply because of the way that fakery and misinformation can get out there in a way it never could uh, and before. It,
0: and if people are basing their decision makers, yeah. their decision make, decisions on false ideas, does it make any difference actually whether you've got a dictatorship or a democracy, if, if you can mold people in that way?
2: I mean, these are really good questions. The, There was this idea that social media was going to be so great for democracy, that as people could share and spread information about democratic norms, that this would then lead to a cascade of different revolutions, starting with like the Arab Spring and all the hope that there was with the Arab Spring. And and we see how that ended. And and we're seeing social media has actually been turned on its head and been used more by dictatorships or by forces, anti-democratic forces. To to spread information to flood the population with information that basically confuses them, uh, or to just spread false information and and use that to to legitimize their their rule, and people are willing to believe whatever they want to. So it, it's very difficult to have a true democracy when people don't have access to accurate information.
0: Mm. And yet, you know, the the counter to that would be people should be smart enough to be able to understand what's real and what's not and you should be able to vote for whoever you think is the most appropriate person to to lead the country and if you and if you're driven by if you think a strong personality is part of that if you feel that you know someone who can knock down barriers to get things done is the way forward then shouldn't you be able to vote for that person? yeah
1: and, and 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 this isn't the first time that information has been controlled in this way you, know, you think of Nazi Germany you think of Stalin's Russia where Information was completely controlled. In a way, now we have access to lots of information from lots of different
2: sources. Right, that's true. But the dictators have gotten really adept at using social media to directly target their their supporters, uh, use propaganda and so forth, and, and have been able to get the same types of results. So, in, in some ways, you know, we we don't really have totalitarian regimes like we used to have, uh, with the exception of North Korea, of course, in the past, where people were being completely Controlled by both propaganda and, and secret police, but they've been able to harness technology in other ways. You know, we have facial recognition systems. Um, the Chinese government, in particular, is really good at at knowing exactly what its citizens are doing, and and is an expert at propaganda. I mean, they teach other countries about how to use propaganda effectively to to convey certain messages, and and they've used polling data to find that this propaganda that they've used has been effective in getting the Chinese population to be more supportive of Xi Jinping in particular, but of the Communist Party. Mm.
1: And isn't there also a risk that in trying to fight this trend, there's a risk that that, that the other side, if you like, the theoretically more democratic side, slip into uh, anti-democratic things as well. I'm thinking at the moment, particularly for people trying to take Donald Trump's name off the ballot in certain states in the US. And as you know, this is a very contentious issue at the moment. But that sounds to to an outsider... You're not allowing people to vote for someone. You're not allowing someone to be on the ballot. Sounds anti-democratic in itself. It
2: does sound anti-democratic, but I guess you have to think of it this way, that this was a person who is being accused of encouraging an insurrection. And so there have been much, uh, let's say, less harsh reasons why people have been pushed off a ballot than trying to orchestrate a coup. I mean, trying to undermine the very institutions that democracy uh, hinges on, which are elections. Uh, so he's a dangerous individual, a really, really dangerous person. Now, I think it would backfire if you know the Supreme Court decided that he couldn't be on the ballot. And I don't think that's what they're going to do. But is he
0: is he the first of many though? I mean, if it's not Donald Trump, he's shown, and we've seen it in other parts of the world as well. If you've got a strong personality who can cajole people through social media, uh, and can run over the media and try and uh, push this, you know, this bully boy image uh, to their benefit. Um, that that is a, a, a roadmap to success. Yeah, because you've got
1: um, Narendra Modi in India is another one mm-hmm. who seems to be, you know, he's, it's a democracy, it's the world's biggest democracy, um, but he seems to be a very dominant figure. We've seen it in the Philippines with Duterte. People can use the existing mechanisms to get what they want in a very undemocratic way.
2: Right. I mean, I think Trump himself has followed his own blueprint. I think he's been inspired by leaders like Hitler and Stalin. I mean, he's so much has said this uh, and other leaders have been inspired by Trump by using the words fake news. Uh, We see with Bolsonaro and in Brazil, he was referred to as the tropical Trump. You rightly uh, give the example of Duterte in in, in the Philippines. And what are the, uh, you know, the the toolbox that that trump uses to maintain himself in power a lot of leaders have have drawn from this and and taken strength from the way that he's handled things uh with his sort of straight talk that seems to appeal to the common man while you know going on these uh corruption um, binges uh and that he's just completely defiant and I think a lot of leaders have been inspired by this. So what's the
0: antidote? How do we stop that happening again and again? I mean, because if it just keeps on happening, it is a big challenge. As we started this conversation, it's a big challenge to democracy.
2: It is. I mean, I was going to say before, this is the one silver lining, or let's just say light at the end of the tunnel, is that democracy goes in phases and there are autocratic swings and democratic swings. And and so we are in the middle of a democratic uh, slump, um, but we'll likely go back to a democratic wave as there's been backlash to them. We saw that in 2019 in particular, was called the year of the protest. There were a lot of protests in many, many countries around the world. It's, people had had it and we're seeing more and more, even in autocratic countries where you're taking on huge risks. If you look in the case of Iran in some of those protests that started in September, 2022. That, that people are willing to, to take on huge risks to, to fight for important freedoms and you, just basic human rights that democracies are supposed to offer. So I would imagine There'll be a point where there will be a backlash against this autocratic trend.
1: But if it works, I mean, you, you mentioned Iran, but they've been protesting for a long time, and particularly after that lady was was killed and, and there was a huge upsurge of protest against the religious uh, establishment. But it hasn't worked. I mean, the, the Iranian government is still there.
2: Right. So, I mean, I wouldn't predict anytime soon a, a country as authoritarian as Iran is going to get overturned by protests. There's absolutely really no chance of that happening, or in Russia for that matter. But I'm talking about in some of these uh, regimes that are somewhere in the gray zone, in the middle, that have had a history of democracy and and have been autocratizing that we may see a pushback. I mean, you could see like in the recent elections in Poland, there was a bit of a pushback from the the far right populist uh, parties uh, and, and we may see that again in, in the U.S. and in other places in Europe and possibly in, in Latin America. I'm not saying it's happened yet, but I, I think that there's only a matter of time where, where people will have had enough of this. Do we give too much power
0: to politicians in in? democratic regimes do we give too much control to donald trump for example so if you think about if you're running a company if you were the ceo you'd have to answer to a board now that board doesn't you could say well okay the board is the the people of the country but the the board for a company doesn't meet every five years and when they do they're you know they're, they're meeting every month and they or every quarter at least and they are quizzing the ceo but everyone's on the same side, so it's not a political confrontation like we see uh, through democracy. Mm. So is the is the? I'm just wondering where, what we can learn from self-be reformed. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to see if there's a way that we run businesses that could actually apply to to the way that we uh, we run countries. So there's more of a devolution of power. Well,
2: the U.S. definitely needs huge reform, and in mm. honestly, we just never have had a leader that was this self-centered, this corrupt, this dictatorial before. I mean, he shattered so many of our norms. We're, we didn't have rules or laws in places but we're going to need them to, to deal with this type of personality that is a very very dangerous person I mean I can't think of any mm. president in US history that has been this dangerous and this committed to just taking down the entire country for his own personal gain and yet, a, yet loved by
0: so many Americans
2: and yet loved by at least a 30% really truly yeah. loved by 30% and they're not stupid I met Quite a few of them.
0: They're not stupid people. I mean, they, they it surprises me how seemingly intelligent people are big, strong Trump supporters.
2: Well, I think he taps into something that they may not want to always articulate, but I think he taps into some of them it's just think that he just it does a better job of running the economy. Um, but I think a lot of it is about people's fears of being, of their identity being lost, um, that you know, the U.S. is a very diverse country, will Whites will not be the majority. We will have more and more people from all over the world, but particularly from uh, his, uh, his, you know, from the Hispanic community. And 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 people seem to be just deathly afraid of this, and they want someone like Trump, who's going to say he's going to, you know, put up walls and borders and prevent. I mean, he's using very dangerous language, drawing from Hitler and, and the like, of uh, uh, talking about tainted blood and so forth, and. People like this. This taps into their fears. But isn't
1: this part of the the, the central core of the problem with democracy is that you have politicians who, whether two years in in the case of Congress or five years, or whatever it is, need to keep an eye on the opinion polls the whole time. In order to direct whatever it is they're doing, so therefore that's what governs what they do, rather than any desire yeah, so it's all for short
0: term. It's too yeah. much democracy. They're just responding. Yeah, and, they, and that's going to be a question I was going to raise. It's just about getting back to the whole idea of a CEO running a business. You've got a long term view, whereas government is obviously short term. And I'm, you look at, for example, in the UK, things like the National Health Service get politicised, and yet if you ask everybody, they'd say, "Well, okay, that's a hands off area. Let's just let it. You know, we'll, we'll let's take it out of politics. Let's just." Make sure it's got the resources that are needed. Let's work that out. What that's going to be for the next ten years, and that just has to happen. And maybe that other areas of politics as well, or other areas of running a country, which can be depoliticized, That you just have a body that runs it, which is which is away from the government. So the government has to focus on things that it can influence or or develop a longer term view rather than this short term view of changing stuff, which very often is is core to, you know, the operation of a country. And I
2: think you are asking a really good question about what elements of governance should be in the hands of technocrats or or something like that. Yes. Uh, And and I think actually any very successful country there, there will be this technocratic element in the bureaucracy in in decision-making in policy-making where you really do have experts, but that's the danger of these populist autocratic forms of governance And, and what Trump did. I mean, he just wasn't filling positions with experts he was either filling them with his cronies or people that didn't have even a degree in the appropriate uh, agency that was needed or didn't even know the agency that they were running uh, or that were just directly loyal to him or he just wouldn't fill the position itself i mean that's probably the biggest legacy b- besides all the damage he's done to the judicial system is by going off uh, going after these agencies of expertise and hollowing them out
1: but that's because he could, because the system allows him to. The American system, as it exists, allows him to do that. And isn't that the, one of the big problems, that if you had a system that was less, uh, perhaps, susceptible to democratic oversight? I mean, in the US, you have it at a very basic level you elect the sheriff you elect the judge at so many different levels we have less of that but but is that part of the problem you need less in a way you need less democracy for democracy to survive
2: yes i mean it's 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 a good question to think about when when you have too much democracy when you have referendums and and, and referenda and and leaders I've, often these populist leaders have been successful in in turkey for example in venezuela using referenda using too much democracy to 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 you know, dupe people and get people to vote for things and policies that actually benefit them. Uh, so we have, a, we have these issues in the U.S. as well. I mean, but you have to understand the U.S. is such a complicated country because it's federal, because you have states, you have states with their own governments, with their own things that they're doing. Uh, and and it, it varies from state to state. At, at the federal level, looking at the, the central government, there there weren't the rules in place to to prevent some of the things from happening um or if the rules were in place trump would blatantly ignore them and we've been struggling to go after him and i mean he's facing over 91 counts here it's not like we just let him get away with nothing he he has four criminal uh cases against him it's just they but it, been but it makes no
1: odds if anything it boosts him so Again, it's the democratic problem that the, if the people, enough people, it's just like 30% love him, um, it's enough to propel him away from any of the rules well, for in those any people,
0: way. For those people, it's like, well, we are fighting the system yeah. and the system is out to get him. Therefore, we're going to give him even more support. I mean, you can't win in that situation.
2: Yeah, you, you, you definitely can't win, but you still have a majority of the population in the U.S. that that doesn't mm. like him, that can't stand him, that, that so, he's awful.
0: Right. But he, of course, is, you know, if you you are in a smaller country and you're thinking my retirement plan, I might become a dictator. uh, You'll be looking at Donald Trump and saying, well, okay, there's 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 the example. Democracy has failed. It's very easy now for anyone anywhere in the world to say, well, democracy isn't a great system uh, and, and point to America.
2: Yeah, I think that that's been a major issue that, you know, for many years when American democracy looked a little bit more admirable or. Uh, so aspiring, uh, you, you had the level of democracy was also higher around the world. That that people thought that um, that this type of system was something that worked. And at the moment, there's been huge and understandable levels of criticism at the way the U.S. democracy is functioning, failing to to represent people, uh, leading to the rise of this populist autocrat. Uh, all, all kinds of tensions and clashes taking place. Uh, you know there are all kinds of other social issues too, that we haven't resolved beyond the, the issues with Trump. Uh, so well, I think it doesn't yeah, look that also- attractive.
0: I also wonder how much of it gets down to global trade as well if you've got a country which is not big on natural resources uh, that is struggling to, uh, to 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 make a trade surplus you know probably got a, a fairly hefty uh, trade deficit having to borrow in American dollars for example uh, I mean these countries particularly over the last few years are really struggling and uh, and and democracy isn't going to fix that for them and maybe that's why people look for uh, autocratic leaders but because-
1: you've got you've got America that is pretty successful and and, and- it seems to be moving towards autocracy. So, mm. you know, it doesn't necessarily work. I mean, I suppose the interesting thing in this, Natasha, is you've got, you know, we look back to 1990, the end of the the Cold War, the, you know, the end of history famously was the suggestion uh, that liberal democracy had won. I mean, it's only been 30 years or so, and we seem to be completely reversing that.
2: That's right. That That's the trend. We're seeing a reversal. Um, but as I said, I mean, try to focus on some potential, you know, room for optimism here i i don't think this this autocratic slump or democratic slump whatever way you want to word it is going to last forever uh, i i think that this is a moment it's a bad moment but 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 there is a lot of backlash to all the things that trump has done i mean i'm not calling the u.s an autocracy yet i'm going to see what happens in 2024 at the moment it's a democracy you can say what you want to say there's free freedom of speech and press and so forth and and he is facing some form of accountability through all these um, you know, legal issues and lawsuits and some of which that he's already lost. Uh, so I, I think we're just at in, in at the cusp of a very important moment. I do think 2024 in in the US, that that election is incredibly important.
0: Is there a danger, final question, about autocracies teaming up against democracies? I mean, is that the way the world is going to be divided? It rows? already seems it to be in some is. ways, you know yeah
2: it already is they've already been doing this this is already uh you know you you never would have seen it let's just say during the cold war uh, a country like uh, venezuela that um wasn't necessarily i mean i know it prepared itself to be uh, socialist and so forth um aligning with uh, russia um they don't really have that much in common except that they're autocratic And, and that's what we're seeing is that there is a a balance of power taking place um, between regime types. And, and the other issue is that the democracies trade more now with autocracies than they do with democracies. And so we've, we've seen a shift of both huge levels of autocratic cooperation, they're cooperating with each other, and they're working to undermine democratic regimes. And it's
1: autocracy without ideology, which is really interesting, because if we do think back to the Cold War, what you had was the large communist powers with a communist idea. And, you know, this is the future. This is what we're doing. But now it's it's not that Um, it's hard to say quite what it is, other than the idea that autocracy works.
2: Other than that, and also just the personalist, whatever the uh, idea is of that particular leader. we've seen cult of personalities, personalist Forms of dictatorship rising, like, like in the case of China, which is really more of a single-party dictatorship. But it's there's been a personality cult developed under Xi Jinping. You know, Putin in in, in Russia. Uh, things have been really personalized in Turkey uh, under Erdogan, in, in Venezuela under you know Chavez, and now Maduro. There, there isn't an ideology you're right but it, it's the ideology uh, attached to that particular person
0: yeah it is so it's going to be interesting isn't it to see it, to see it is a, a pivotal fascinating years. year i think at least countries around the world can look at the uk and say well there's a country <laughs> where democracy is working so well it, yes it's right.
2: working better than most so <laughs>
0: we'll, <laughs> we'll see that, how it all comes that out
1: Natasha, tragic in itself natasha. natasha thank you so much for being with us uh really it's interesting tragic. and um, well we will see we'll come to you at the end of this year and see if your faith in the continuity of U.S. democracy still holds good. Thanks, Natasha.
0: Thank you. So, do you quite like the idea, Roger, of, you know, in your retirement, perhaps becoming a dictator? dictator? Well, yeah, I think so. I just think so. Your, I mean, look around the world. There's bound to be somewhere oh, can, that's so sure a good yeah. like you. Yes, yes. yeah. I oh, of- you've got the whole BBC World Service. You're, you're a known entity. You I, I'm know. kind
1: of a voice already, so but I just, you know, grab, grab the podium. Just a step. Yes, yes wave exactly. my fist up and down and people will, will march <laughs> in step with me. No, I don't oh. think so. Mm. I don't think, I, I just wouldn't have the confidence. This is one of the things. You know, you have to be very confident to be a dictator, I suspect. Yeah. You have to think you are right about everything. All
0: the Despite all the contrary evidence, that's right. Yeah, Indeed. Yeah.
1: Well, anyway, from one sort of potential disaster to... Another.
0: Yeah. Which well, is I, well, I mean, there could be any sorts of disaster. I mean, exactly. we've just seen, for example, in in in, uh, in Japan, they've just mm-hmm. had earthquakes. Uh, they're the sort of known disasters we have. Tsunami as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that was great. It wasn't quite as bad. Not as, as bad also. as they thought. But, of course, but, we have had a pandemic. Yeah, as well. And, you know, what's going to hit us next? Yes. Who knows? Yes. The you
1: existential know. threats to our existence. Yeah.
0: We have suggested
1: we would talk about this before, but we had a bit of an existential... Uh, issue with the podcast, so we didn't, but we will come back. <laughs> yeah, we guarantee. No, we we will do. We'll talk about this. Is it going to be another pandemic, alien invasion, zombie apocalypse? Yeah, um, all, all things are possible potentially. Yeah. And we will. We, there's actually a lot of people studying this, getting a sense of where we are. These Black Swan events. And whether they will actually are destroy? We us? Be
0: ready? Yeah, yeah. Are they going to destroy? Are we going to be prepared? I mean, we certainly weren't prepared for the pandemic. Are we nope. prepared for the whatever next is thrown at us? If we, if we lost power, mm. how would we? You know, how many days could we cope with that electricity? For example, get those candles. This ready. This podcast might struggle. fix yes. up, you might miss, we might miss that week. No, no, Just- we definitely won't. We'll keep going.
1: <laughs> definitely, we'll keep going. And next week,
0: we'll be back discussing that here on the Y Curve. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in.
2: The Y Curve.